This week's episode is brought to you by the Talkbuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talkbuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going, man? It is... It's okay. I uh, I had a long day, and as soon as we're done recording, I still have to go out and do more things, and I'm gonna be in bed late, and that sucks, but whatever. I'll make it through. How's your day? Uh, the third day out from some pretty serious dental work, and my pain is manageable now. All right. Short version, I hate dentists. I believe that. You know, my grandfather used to, apparently, I don't know how true the story is, one of those urban legends families tell, that he would, like, he'd grab the dentist and pull him in and say, now let's not hurt each other today. No, dentists are sadists. That's well, classic uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And it's true, but... That's not why we're here. So we got a podcast to produce. And the reason we can produce this podcast is because these wonderful, wonderful people support us on Patreon. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, and Stefan R. Martinez. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion and make sure we can keep doing this podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It only costs you a dollar an episode and it keeps the lights on. All right, and today we have a guest with us today, a first-time guest, but a long-time friend. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm Mad. I uh, decided to go with Mad as my nickname because that's the name I had in the military, and I took it as my own as Mad the Impaler. It's kind of a play on words as Vlad the Impaler. And I was sitting here looking at your name thinking Mad Thelmpaler, and I couldn't... <laughs> that's my that's my problem. So... No, no, Mad the Impaler. Yeah, but Mad is uh is like Ulrich's. I don't know what the right term is, but uh, he was like best man at Ulrich's wedding. So you know, point is, known for a long time. Finally got you on. So <laughs> yeah, we've been friends for a while. We graduated together and all that good stuff. Had a lot of mishaps together. Got arrested together. Yeah, still not arrested. We got a good size tip. Okay, we got lucky they didn't arrest us. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> True. My mom we're, is still mad at you about that one, by the way. But we're not here to talk about who may or may not have committed a felony. We're here to talk about uh, or continue uh, Bootober, because why not? <laughs> yeah, and we thought, you know, what's more Bootober-themed than famous haunted locations? You know, the places everyone's going this time of year, they build amusement parks and theme parks around them, they make terrible movies. You know, classic America. Yeah, and it's funny because it's one of those things where it's weird to look up like stories of real haunted locations, especially because I didn't get I didn't get to research too much, uh, actually very little. But from what all I did find, most of the places that are considered like really haunted aren't the places you see in movies that are like, you know, derelict houses that no one goes to, places that are you know actually attractions now usually because of that or. You know, hotels or, or things like that, which actually thinks that The Shining is a lot more based in reality. 
Yeah, and I think there's like a whole Neil Gaiman joke about like the American gods. He talked about, you know, the places with real magic aren't the ones anyone goes to. That's true. So who wants to start us off? Uh, not me. <laughs> I need a little more time. <laughs> uh, I can go first. I'll get one going. Out of the Hilton Hawaiian Village in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's a beautiful patch of paradise on the Waikiki Beach. Might be haunted by a godly presence. So the people there actually think that this this uh, place is haunted by a deity. Is that really a haunting, though? Well, I mean, how you, it, wait, how do we define a haunting? Evil spirits and bad juju, not the stomping yeah, grounds. Yeah, yeah. Why does that have to be evil? Why does that have to be bad juju? I think a haunting is just any location that is tied to a, a supernatural presence, like intrinsically. Well, one of the theories, too, is that it was a woman that was murdered at the hotel. And see, so that works. People see her wandering the, the hotel and they see her wandering the beach. But other people claim that she's the human form of a Hawaiian volcano goddess. I can see not wanting to piss off either of those. Also, as we established last week with uh, Pacific Island and related mythologies, uh, island goddesses, especially the lava-related ones, are awesome. (laughs) So it's either the spirit of a murdered woman or a Polynesian god. Yeah, and uh, it turns out that she is known to stop and knock on your door. You said this is, so wait, I, I mean, is this like a, a hotel? Is this a, a build? Like, what kind of building is this or place is this? It's a hotel. Okay, so how, like, how large of a hotel? It's fairly large. I'm assuming probably over 100 rooms. Okay, it's very large. <laughs> All right, so, so our first haunted hotel, my Shining reference stands. Yeah, but the Shining, the ghosts there do terrible, horrible things. This one just sounds like they knock on your door and run away. Keep in mind, the, the places that I... I looked up our places that uh, people go to to get married in. So this is for the people who like to get married in haunted places. Well, I'm not. Uh, that's its own weird thing. I'm not sure why you'd want to get married in a haunted location. But like, what kind of haunted stories come out of this place? Aside from knocking on doors at random. I'm not sure exactly. A lot of it's from employees seeing all this stuff happen. Huh. Interesting. I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out why anyone would want to get married at a haunted location. That just seems like a way to oh, get possessed easy. or haunted. There's tons of people who are into stuff like that. I've met plenty of people like that. Okay, true enough. I forgot that they're, yeah. You can find basically any location that exists, and there'll be someone whose dream is to get married there, I'm telling you. Yeah, this I mean, is true. I mean, my thing was always I wanted to get married, like, in, a, in the forest under a, under the like at night and that's not even like that weird comparatively now i'm remembering some of the weirder ones i've heard over the years i don't know i kind of like the theory that it's not a ghost that it's a polynesian god because then that seems like a, okay get the blessing of a volcano god that's got to be good for your marriage in some form or another yeah can you I imagine bet. getting knock at your door when you're you know your first <laughs> night <laughs> see that would be a haunting it's like every five minutes knocking there who the fuck is that go away I bet that uh, if it's the joke is not going to land. But the point is, I bet that if it's actually like a volcano goddess, that the water heater will never actually break. <laughs> if you can't get hot water in Hawaii, then that's like not being able to get ice cubes in Antarctica. On a side note, have you guys ever seen that uh, that hotel or like one of those hotels that's made of ice? Yeah, the one's up in Greenland, isn't it? I don't know. I just know that's a really cool idea, but it's a good thing that's not possessed by a volcano goddess. Anyway, so uh, we have 
someone being murdered at this hotel. Did it say when? I didn't catch the date. Like, when was this supposedly happening? The first time they saw it happen was in 1959. So, okay, so the earliest reported haunting is 1959. Yep. But... The, it was the and the woman like she knocks on doors has there ever been a description of her like what she looks like not really it just says that she's the lady in red oh that's not unsettling at all well it's a, certainly a counterpoint to the lady in white which is like you know classic horror steeple among many cultures so it also says if you find her on the beach she is often accompanied by dancers i mean that feels like that fits in with the uh, goddess more than the Angry, yeah, or, you know, murdered ghost. I feel like the tourism board for this uh, hotel were fighting about what's the best gimmick to get people in. <laughs> Say that there's a goddess living in it. Uh, well, like half's like stuff's like okay, that sounds like a ghost, and the other half is oh, it's a god. It's like, but now come on, pick one or the other. It's not can't be both. Why not? Uh, can can a ghost be a god? Can a god be a ghost? I mean, technically. Yeah. I'm sure in some culture has that as part of their mythology, and I'm curious what that one is. But I've well, never I mean, heard of a ghost. About, I mean, kind of ours, right? Baldur is the god reborn, and a big part of uh, the story of Ragnarok is he die, is he's killed. He goes to Niflheim, and he you know, he exists there, and then he comes back later. So technically, while he's existing <laughs> in Niflheim, he's a ghost god. Yes. I don't know. It's own weird thing. I want to roll into mine, which I'm sure everyone here has heard about because it's famous, and that's the Winchester House in San Jose, California. You stole mine. Oh, all right. Let's go ahead. Someone didn't look at the Google Doc before they popped in. Someone didn't send me the Google Doc before I popped in. And I did send it to you. Oh, I checked beforehand. <laughs> oh, you should have said something. Anyways, we're professionals, and yeah, the Winchester House. Uh, this is a famous location just because well winchester i mean one it's an iconic american gun producer and two it's a pretty nifty looking house uh it was built by sarah winchester who was the widow of william wirt winchester you know creator of the winchester repeating rifle the gun that won the west supposedly and she believed that she was haunted by all the ghosts that her husband's rifle had killed yeah, all, all, all the ghosts of everyone killed by a Winchester gun, <laughs> which probably is a lot, and mostly natives. So more shining. I'm noticing a pattern here. And so she believed that the only way to escape these evil spirits and ghosts was to continue building on this house at all hours of the day continuously. So... Did, hold on, she, she believed that, right, because a medium told her that, like, before she even had yeah, the house. apparently that, well, her husband died, and then her their son died, and then she had a medium contact her husband, and he said that the family was cursed by these spirits who were mad at him for making a gun that killed them, which, if that's true, imagine what the Kalashnikovs have to put up. So is she, uh, like, at the house to house these spirits, or what? No, I don't. And then the medium tells her to move west, and she found the house, and she started building on it. And I'm not exactly sure how the continuously adding rooms and stuff was supposed to confuse the spirits, but that's what she was told, so that's what she... Interesting. And considering the amount of money that the Winchester family made off their rifles, she could afford to give it all the amenities and keep building going at all hours of the day. So... 
it's a really cool house in that, you know, there's a lot of grand, a lot of stained glass, a lot of technology and stuff. It was turn of the century. At one point it was seven stories high, but an earthquake reduced it down to four, which is still pretty impressive considering when it was built. Um, there's lots of stairways that kind of go nowhere and hallways that end abruptly, again, all to confuse the ghosts. And that's mainly the theory about why it's haunted. I don't think there's ever been actually any hauntings per se around it, but there's this whole idea that it is, and it's become a big tourist trap and they sell tickets and whatnot to it, um, basically because it's become so iconic and it's this weird engineering marvel. It's huge and sprawling and parts of it like i said there's some really cool stuff uh one of the things was she wanted the house built of redwood but she didn't like the look of exposed wood so she had it all paneled over well you know she was operating off of uh medium and supernatural guidance so who knows what she was really thinking yeah i don't know i mean all the stories kind of seem to go yeah she was probably a little bit crazy and that's true i don't know there's not much about this house because, like I said, most of it is a tourist attraction and it just is the story of, well, this lady was afraid to go, so she kept tacking onto the house. And I mean, not so even a real explanation of why it's haunted. Are there any accounts of anybody encountering any ghosts or anything like that, or is it just... You get people saying, oh, I got a spooky vibe or I thought I saw something, but there's nothing really that says, oh, yeah, I saw a ghost. It's just, you know, she was convinced the ghosts were chasing her, which... At the same time, if I'm being chased by ghosts, I'm not going to sure I'm going to stay in one place. Yeah. Because, I mean, she had a huge fortune, so you'd think she'd just, like, travel the world. Well, no, she was, uh, she had spirit babysitting to do instead. Well, there is kind of that. Like, she, she was convinced that the family was cursed, so maybe she thought that she had to, you know, if she stayed in one place, then the ghosts would only be able to, you know haunt and damage her i don't know they made that god-awful movie about it with uh, glenn close which i never saw but from all the reviews was just an absolute failure of concept never heard of it yeah because it came and went real fast i mean the big thing was they got to actually film in the house and that's a big thing because whole parts of the house have been closed off for visitors because they're trying to preserve it but they're opening up you know new chunks and it's actually a national park now so that's how they keep it maintained I feel like the ultimate way, the, the death of the haunted location or things like that is kind of globalism and commercialism, right? I mean, you're a communist, so of course you think something like this. But the idea of, hey, let's put a gift shop in is the instant death of mystery, right? Well, my whole theory behind hauntings and whatnot is not necessarily there's actual spirits more as much as enough bad stuff happened here that it kind of soaked in to the area and the minute you make it a gift shop and make it chintzy you kind of lose the bad aura that kind of goes around it the one exception probably being battlefields because you don't get past that i suppose so i mean i i might argue like cemeteries in general and graveyards and things like that also are yeah because resistant. there's well i'd argue that also you probably get the same thing because death and sadness is kind of permeated into that and you can put a gift shop in a cemetery i don't think it's going to make it any better well i was thinking more about putting a gift shop on a place that used to be a cemetery or a graveyard or a very we place. all saw poltergeist we know exactly what happens when you try that yeah so do you have a, i was about to transition but do you have any final thoughts on the winchester house i think it looks really cool and i think that 
the story is kind of why this has got the reputation of being haunted. Oh, one of the things I did find funny is when you visit, they encourage you to thank the spirits for letting you uh, visit, but to ask them kindly not to follow you home. You gotta be polite. I mean, just because you're dead doesn't mean you don't have manners. Well, I just think think it's funny. It's like, well, you know, uh, Sarah Winchester's dead, so maybe we'll go haunt somebody new is the thing with these ghosts. You guys ever heard of that uh, that doll that apparently was haunted? I can't remember what. Oh, what the Annabelle name. doll. I, I think so. And if you take his picture without his permission, then oh, that's a different add... one. Then. Oh yeah, that's what this kind of reminded me of. You have to get their permission to to do stuff, otherwise bad things will happen to you. See, that kind of makes sense. Like if you buy the idea of spirits in the traditional sense of like, you know, if I'm trapped in a doll. I'm going to totally be a dick unless you follow specific requests. I always felt like personally, the way I was kind of raised was that the concept of haunted locations and whatnot is that the supernatural spirits and things like that only have as much power as you allow them to have over you. Because I, I basically, I come from a a mindset of very self-actualized self like controlling and the idea that like supernatural exists, but if you yourself are someone who his mind is blocked off entirely from it, then you have no connection to it. You will not have any experience with it. Whereas if you are someone who like is, seeks that kind of stuff out, you open yourself up to it, then you're going to be a lot more receptive to that kind of thing. And that's a really easy philosophy to do because generally speaking, the people who are, uh, you know, into that are going to be like, oh, I've freed my mind or something like that. But that's a little more egotistic and pretentious than what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's just like, that's why for me, I, I stopped being scared necessarily of haunted houses after a while because I, I applied this. And I was just like, well, I'm just not going to allow anything here to affect me. See, then that makes me think we got to find like a haunted house in the style of The Shining or 1308 where, you know, it's haunted, but nobody really like gets kept low key because of its hauntedness. Test your theory. Yeah, I suppose so. My uh, haunted location, by the way, which I was trying to uh, pivot to, is the Whaley House. And I apologize if anyone else had chosen this because I don't have the, the Google Doc. But uh, did you guys know what the Whaley House is? I've never heard of this. Well, me neither. So the Whaley House is in San Diego, California. And when I lived in San Diego, I actually visited it once. So the Whaley House it was... I think built in 1857. I uh, I have a sheet up here. It's when the the Whaley's moved into into it anyway, and it became known as the Whaley House. But before it was a house, it was a graveyard. So you know we're starting off strong. Okay, so this we're going the poltergeist theme. You built a house on top of a cemetery. Did they at least move the body? Uh, well, it wasn't a graveyard when they started building. It just had been a graveyard before. So, like, the property had been a number of things, and a graveyard was one of them. So they so, didn't move the bodies. Okay, good to know. I don't <laughs> think uh, they were aware, necessarily. Uh, Thomas Whaley was the, the the patriarch of the family, essentially, and he was uh, well-to-do um, during the, the gold rush, essentially. So he, you know, he moved his uh, wife and his... Um, did he have children at the time? I don't remember if he had children at the time. But him and his wife moved to this town or this uh, this this house in San Diego. They had six children there, and one of the one of them, the second oldest, I think. Um, yes, the second oldest. I see it here. D- 
died of scarlet fever at like 18 months old. So it says Oof. here. So already we've got the graveyard and now we've got second born child dies early of, you know, scarlet fever is a big deal. So after this, they like, they, um, their store, because he was a business guy, right? So not only was there a house, but there was a store there. So baby died, store burned down. <laughs> So after the uh, the combination of these two things, they left, um, you know, for a long time, essentially. Uh, Thomas Whaley basically abandoned the house. And so it was just like, but he you know, was so rich that he didn't like sell it or anything. He just, it was there and it wasn't touched for a while. But then he came back and he, he fixed it up and uh, him and like his family, including his like daughters and sons and stuff that weren't off on their own thing, they moved into it. But um then about like let's see what is this 14 years later one of the daughters uh got married uh her name was violet i can't pronounce the e-l-o-i-s-e i I don't know how to pronounce that but violet so uh, violet whaley essentially she got married to this guy uh bertolacci and then they moved into the house with the family and then like two weeks later Berlachi just left. And it turned out that he was actually a con man who had just married her because he expected a really big dowry because Whaley's family that didn't happen. <laughs> so he just split on her. And uh, now back then, this was, you know, 1880s. So this was like, not only was this dick move on his part, but it ruined Violet, not just personally, but she was publicly humiliated. And like, what's the word? There's a stigma honor like the 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 public saw her as shun they shunned her that's the word so she was shunned by the public she was it got extremely depressed and then she committed suicide by shooting herself in the chest with her father's 32 caliber oof she was 22 years old and her suicide note she wrote poetry well she put down poetry it's a, a poem from bridge of size the her suicide note reads as thus Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. That feels fitting. Yeah. Anyway, so so we have Graveyard, we have got Dead Baby, we've got Burn Down Store, now we've got uh, Young Adult Suicide. So after this, um, let's see, what's the next tragic event? We have, uh, oh, the one of the other daughters essentially her engagement fell through because of the scandal raised by the suicide apparently so because 1800s right yeah that and, sounds about right yeah and so after all of this like uh thomas built a different house <laughs> somewhere else and moved the whole family away and the whaley house was vacant for two decades and no one touched it and after then, you know, Thomas died in like uh, 1890 or something like that. Um, oh, no, 1905. I got my dates all messed up. But so the house just was like fell in disrepair. And then later on, you know, some descendants showed up and uh, started fixing it up. And it became kind. It was already like now a tourist attraction by um, let's see. It opened as a museum in 1960. So, yeah, it was it was vacant for a long time. Although it looks like there are actually some uh, people who – oh, never mind. I was wrong with the, the vacancy lasted from like 1880 to 1914, and it looks like one of the daughters or sons – I don't know what 
C-O-R-I-N-N-E, Corinne, I guess, must probably be a daughter, but they lived in the house until, yeah, lady, until her death uh, in 1953. So we've got someone then who, like the last, or one of the last Whaley's of the original family, who then just lives in this house of tragedy until they die, and then seven years later, boom, museum. <laughs> and it's actually like owned by, from what I can tell, San Diego itself, or at least some subsidiary of it, because it's managed by the San Diego Historical Shrine Foundation, which is a nonprofit. So yeah, that's that's basically all the tragedy. Everything after that is just a matter of like you know how it was furnished and and things like that, which is not terribly interesting for what our discussion is. I remember it being really cool and really dark in there, but the house is like full of mirrors and stuff. At least it was when I I was very young. This is like I don't know twenty some years ago. So but uh. It was certainly creepy, and it was before I got really good at resisting the creep factor of haunted houses. So I was, I was pretty freaked out when I saw it. This one just more sounds like it was built on cursed land than anything, which fits into our Shining references. And yeah, I'm noticing a pattern here. Now, as for like stories, there are not that many stories of hauntings. Oh, but we'll add one more tragedy thing because apparently, right, the the the. The haunting rumors are mostly just like strange noises and and un, unconfirmed sightings of just like unusual things. But apparently, even when the the uh, the Whaley's first moved in, um, they had like thought that it was haunted by the ghost of James Yankee Jim Robinson, who had earlier been hanged on the property for stealing a boat. So, you know, public execution. Let's add that to the to the land as well. It's like swimming in the bad juju. Well, it fits in with your theory very well, then. A lot of death, a lot of bad emotions, a lot of just... And no wonder they couldn't, you know, no one wanted to live here. Bad things kept happening. And again, I can imagine if I'm a ghost and I'm, you know, kind of the Beetlejuice theory, I don't want people stamping around on my grave. Of course I'm going to haunt and torment them so I can, you know, live out my eternity in peace. Yeah, so I'm sure there's other, like you know, little tidbits as well, but these are a lot of like the most important thing. Uh, I, I don't know if they still hold tours. I don't see anything like that. Uh, yeah. So tours are offered on the last weekend of every month for a ghost hunting tour and additional tours are offered around Halloween. So it's, it's an attraction. And that's, I believe when we went is during Halloween, uh, it was probably all a little dolled up for that with like the extra mirrors and stuff. But uh, I remember having this, I mean, I was young, so I was probably very bad. But I remember having a vivid memory of doing the, um, Kind of like Disneyland's uh, haunted house thing, where like me and mom were looking in a mirror, and I remember seeing someone in the mirror that wasn't there. You know how how good can I trust my memory? I suppose, but anyway, it's creepy. It's real. I've been there, and its story is tragic and depressing. So that's my my throwing my hat in this conversation. <laughs> really makes you wonder how long how long it is for somebody decides, hey, let's turn this into an attraction. You know, like you said, it's, it was two decades that nobody touched the house. And how do you decide that that's what you want to do with a place? Yeah, like, like, hey, you guys remember all the all the bad stuff that happened in this house? Yeah, nobody's gonna live there. Let's uh, let's rent it out so people can check out the ghosts and everything. Well, well I mean, if you just knock the place down and build something over it, you're left with the same <laughs> things happening again. Shining issue. So might as well be like put a big neon sign around it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can't sell it and you can't rent it, you might as well. I guess that makes sense. Maybe. So what else you got for us, man? All right, so the next one, remember, it's all wedding themed. I don't know why. Well, it says that this next place is 
has very nice Gothic architecture and lush lawns. It comes out of Mansfield, Ohio. It's the Ohio State Reformatory. So I don't know why you would want to get married at a at a prison to begin with, but I guess it looks pretty. Again, we're talking about a very specific group of people here who are really into these kind of things. Yeah. Well, the Gothic architecture kind of makes sense because you want to get married someplace pretty, but I'm not sure why you do Gothic architecture on a prison. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, oddly like... enough, both of the places I've chosen are Greek revival, so I don't know why that lends itself to hauntings. So this reformatory was in operation for 94 years with 155,000 men that had a violent history. It was actually featured on Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, this one. Rather than haunted house. Uh, apparently, it has real ghosts, 215 number of graves outside, and visitors have have mentioned that they have been punched or pushed by an unseen force. Yeah, I've heard about this one. Uh, Chris Stuckman, one of my favorite movie reviewers, actually went there for his Shawshank uh, review. And at one point, you know, he has camera set up. It was just him filming. And at one point, one of the jail cell doors closed. Crazy. Yeah, no. This one I've heard about, and this one, again, fits into my theory of just soaked in bad juju. Yeah. It says it's got a lot of bad history, too. There's a In the solitary confinement, a lot of guys cracked. It was for the toughest of the cons, and and one of the inmates hung, hanged himself. Another one set himself on fire. Two men left too long in a single tomb-like cell. One would Only one would be able to survive. And the other one would be left behind, stuffed beneath the bunk by his cellmate. Have either of you heard of the ripple theory? No, I don't think so. Okay, so the ripple theory is one of the ones that people use to explain hauntings and whatnot. And the ripple theory is that when something traumatic or horrible happens, it sends out ripples both forward in time and backwards in time. And that's where we get hauntings, is, you know, from this one moment. And that's why you'll get things kind of like yours with uh, the hangings and whatnot is, well, something bad happened, let's say the suicide, and it went back and caused everything terrible before that and forward and caused terrible things after it. Yeah, I've heard of this before. Yeah, it was actually a pretty good movie. I can't remember what it was called. That, that was all bad. That's what it was based around. And that was the big reveal at the end was Ripple Theory. I'm like, oh, that's actually a really interesting concept for a ghost movie. But like, the worst part was it just kept, re- it, meant, it meant that it kept repeating that bad things would always keep happening because of one terrible event at this house at one point it just kept happening there's no escaping it mm. it just got longer and longer intervals between the bad things happening because you know you further in time the ripple gets more spanned out that's really interesting but yeah anyways haunted prison you know there i don't know the name of it I, there's a a prison or i think it was actually an asylum prison combination kind of thing here in town where i live that i went to with a wound log a couple of years back and i went into the solitary confinement room and immediately wanted to get the hell out. <laughs> I was like, I'm uncomfortable here for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so yeah, um, I remember growing up, I always thought that there are three locations that are ripe for uh, haunted settings, right? It's prisons slash, well, no, all right, prisons, schools, and asylum slash hospitals. Why schools? Something about being in a school at night always felt intrinsically creepy, let alone one that had been like abandoned or anything like that. Okay, fair enough. Plus, how much suffering you think is going on in a school? This is also wow. true. But you got any real good ghost stories about the Ohio State Reformatory? Not really. It's mostly just the accounts of being pushed and shoved, cellar doors slamming, uh, shadowy figures appearing. 
and disembodied footsteps and voices heard throughout the walls. Huh. I know that this is where Shawshank is set, and they did use the prison in the movie for Shawshank. And like I said, I've seen it. It's a creepy-looking place. So I could totally buy it. It's haunted. Would you be willing to get married there, though? Oh, God, no. I mean, that's just... Okay, let's say you believe that spirits can follow you home. Do you really want the spirit of the angry ghost rapist following you home? Yeah, that's true. Plus, one of the the stories, too, from its past is that uh, two parolees that were bent on revenge actually murdered the farm boss's wife and daughter after they kidnapped They shot him to death. And one of the guys that care, and then a year later, uh, the warden warden actually died. His wife was removing a jewelry box from the closet, and one of the pistols fell, went off, ended up killing him. I can't believe people want to get married here. This just, that's just, no. It's like them people that get married in graveyards. Listen, you don't need the attention that bad. Well, it's not usually not about attention. It's people who feel a connection to the macabre. I guess. Just no. I said I've seen this place. It's. I wouldn't even. I'm not. I wouldn't set foot in that place. That is all sorts of bad vibes. Well, then, do you have a suggestion for another place you would or would not set foot in? Yeah, this is the one I actually would set foot in, and it's the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I do like that we're going from one prison to another. All right, it, it takes us away from uh, The Shining, so. Well, this one's also interesting because, again, it's also very decorated up. Like, this has got gargoyles on it. It looks like a castle. Although we did go from The Shining to The Shawshank, so. Stephen King connection. All day. Anyway, uh, we'll go on. <laughs> it was built in 1829, and at its completion, it was the it was the largest and most expensive public structure ever erected, erected in the United States. Um, a couple units had a couple unique things. Uh, one of them was a big barrel-shaped internal prison design with single cells, which was a new barrel idea shaped? for the time. Yeah, like the center prison is a big circle. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, the thing looks like a castle. I mean, right up to the crenellations and everything. But it was built in 1829, so I guess they wanted it to also be used as a fort. Um, but yeah. They had single individual cells where they kept people, which was the style at the time. Um, Al Capone was kept there briefly. A bunch of other famous people have been kept there. But uh, the hauntings for this place started around the 1940s when officers and prisoners started resorting, you know, seeing things or hearing noises or cold spots and all the, you know, standard juju. And again, if you've seen this place, you can kind of understand why, because it's got huge, you know, vaulted ceilings, gargoyle, uh, gargoyles on the buildings, long hallways. Uh, like I said, it just looks like it would be haunted. So, of course, what else do you do but install a multi-part haunted house in it every year for Halloween? That's about, I mean, that's not too far from putting a gift shop in. <laughs> Yeah, when I was doing research for this one, there's two links you can go through. One talks about the history and the architecture and provides walk-through visits of it. And the other one is all about getting tickets for the haunted houses, like five haunted houses inside this prison. Because again, the thing is freaking huge. And I just kind of love the juxtaposition. It's like, you know, it was built in here and used all these random technologies and it was a big purveyor of solitary confinement and this person, this person was kept here. And then the other part is, hey, you want to go to the crazy clown circus and wing B? 
And it just, the juxtaposition is hilarious to me. Mm. Because this place on its own is very creepy looking. And like I said, there have been numerous reports of people talking about cold spots and weird voices and seeing spirits and all sorts of stuff. And again, it's very possible because when it was built, it was revolutionary in the idea of it was more about uh, reforming the inmates than just holding them prisoner. But they were also big users of solitary confinement, isolationism, and other sorts of quackery of the times. Because again, it's early 1800s. They still believed laudanum could cure everything. True enough. So yeah, this is another one that's more tourist trappy than haunted house. But I mean, in general, I, I mean, all three of us, right? Like we went and looked up essentially what are some haunted locations. And generally speaking, if you can look up. A haunted location it's probably a tourist trap at this point i mean yeah this is true but this one seems to have gone whole hog like i said when they put haunted houses inside the place fair enough i mean but no i'd go and visit it because like i said it looks like dracula's castle it's got a huge central watchtower there's gargoyles it's uh built in the almost semi star fort design of the times um looks cool i'd visit it during the day but you would not catch me in this place at dark at dark just because i don't want to trip and fall and get tetanus on some of the railing yeah but the well, barrel design of the the yard it kind of makes you wonder if they ever had anything kind of like the coliseum you know where they just let the let some of the prisoners out to fight amongst amongst each other again given the times it's entirely possible I think it was more designed so that, you know, if there was an outbreak in one of the wings, it would be easy to lock down and, you know, they could control. Gotcha. Because, like I said, the place is a castle. I, I don't well, know why they built it that way, but it, it's literally a castle. Well, on the opposite end of the castle, I'm going to take us into my last suggestion, which I won't spend nearly as long on, is the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Restaurant in Old Town San Diego. It's another San Diego place because it's another place I've been to. So, which, when it was originally constructed, was like a shack. <laughs> well, all right, not, not a shack. It was um, a single-story, like, a thatched roof. It, it was made by uh, Don Juan Bandini, which is a cool name, by the way, I think, in um, 1827. Well, it's when it started construction, ended in 1829. And it doesn't really have much of, like, a, a real history behind it no no tragedy or anything here this just happens to be a famous kind of like well it, as far as like san diego is concerned old town in general is full of like creepy places i mean i think it's partly why they call it old town but the uh, cosmopolitan hotel and restaurant first of all it's actually a restaurant just go have some like mexican food there because it's like mexican and american food it's pretty nice uh like higher level um now it's you know it's pretty pretty big they did like a lot of um the, the, the hotel's been in, uh, what, what's the word, like kind of joint custody, I guess, of the um, the owner and the city since like 1969 or 68 or something like that. And it uh, went through a lot of renovations, then was opened for business as a hotel and restaurant in 2010. So pretty recently, actually. And I went and visited in... Let's see, I would be about four or five years ago. So you know, not too long after it had opened, I guess, you know, a few years. But And it's 
really neat. It's it doesn't really look like a haunted place because it's not really a big part of its appeal. It's just a place that like literally we're talking about. You mentioned evil spirits, and I was like, well, it doesn't have to be evil. Well, all the stories about the ghosts here at the Cosmo Hotel and Restaurant are literally listed as friendly. So. Well, you're not going to have any people wanting to stay at your place if you list the ghost as not friendly. That's true. One of the ghosts they list is a cat. The ghost of a cat who roams through the hotel. Although, personally, I'm like, if that comes from, like, thinking you see a cat, that could just be an actual cat. Like, they yeah. could easily be mistaken for a I ghost. Mean, how do you know it's a ghost cat? Is it spectral? Does it float? But the, the most common ghost that is listed is... Uh, Oh, I'm not. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. I apologize to the person's family. Yisidora Bandini. It's like Y S I D O R A. So Yisidora Bandini, who's the daughter of the of Don Juan Bandini, the guy who made it. And supposedly, not only does she uh, haunt the the hotel, she haunts a very specific uh, room eleven. Um. Oh no, no, no. That's the. Yeah, yeah. Room eleven. So. Her and then the other well-known one is, according to this, there is a room four of five where a lady in red ghost appears. And we mentioned before, right, the lady in red. So, like, while you were talking, I looked up to see exactly what a lady in red is, which, by the way, the, the wiki immediately is like, hey, it's like a white lady, but except the lady in red generally was a prostitute. <laughs> or a oh, that's her. nice. That's oh, my God, they, uh... we found the origins of blowjob ghost. <laughs> Well, apparently that's why ladies in red tend to be associated with hotels because that is where they would do a lot of their their trade. See, so, that's the reason someone might stay at this haunted hotel. Oh, ghost prostitute? Yeah, I mean, the questions about how that works, you you got to be a little bit curious. Also, I think it's funny that while looking at the lady in red page, like I wasn't surprised to see a bunch of things in the United States, a couple in Canada, a couple in the United Kingdom, and then there's a literally like Two stories in Asia. One in Malacca, which is a uh, actually I don't know where Malacca is, but and one in Thailand. And for some reason that stood up to me. I was like, really? That a shared kind of similar haunting thing? Apparently the one in Malacca um is on the ninth floor of the nine-story apartments in Little India, which is an area known for people jumping to their deaths. So, you know. Beware the ladies in red. I, don't, I didn't read anything about that happening at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, but, you know, just saying. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a different thing when you cross the uh, continent. But anyway, like I said, this this hotel is is a, it's still a hotel. It's a restaurant. It's uh, apparently a pretty good one, and it just so happens to have some friendly ghosts if you're looking for a more relaxing supernatural experience. Some very and friendly ghosts. I can see getting married. <laughs> well, some very friendly ghosts if you believe some of these things. Is it more... Is it more towards the, the two rooms that you mentioned, the 11 and 405, or or is it kind of all around? Well, the cat roams, so the cat isn't any one particular room, but the two uh, named lady spirits are apparently attached to those specific rooms. So Interesting. So if you're looking for a good time, make sure you book those ones early. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like Yusadora uh, Bandini died early. Apparently she was uh, 68 when she died so and it's i guess the idea is more she died and just didn't leave so and she liked the place okay yeah so hence why she's um a friendly ghost there's no animosity she just didn't want to go anywhere <laughs> that seems like a good way to you know kind of end this discussion talking about friendly ghosts and very friendly ghosts 
<laughs> well, then I'm going to take us right into our suggestions of the week because mine is one I've already suggested, but I feel it needs being suggested again. If you are listening and you have Amazon Prime and you have not watched Vinland Saga, you are doing yourself a disservice. Go do that. <laughs> it's, I'm tra- it's, this is for your benefit that I'm saying this and also the show's benefit, which deserves attention. <laughs> it's uh, Viking anime loosely based on historical events. Big epic scale, uh, only moderately over the top because you know I can't help but be a little bit. But mm-hmm. like, it's got a character in it named Thorkel the Tall, who's one of the most badass fictional characters I've ever seen, and who's based on a real person. <laughs> so anyway, there's my suggestion. Alrighty then, I'll go next. Uh, I'm gonna suggest Rocket Man, uh, predominantly because it's a lot of fun as a, for a movie. Uh, if you don't know, Rocket Man is the quote unquote uh biopic about Elton John but unlike last year's uh Bohemian Rhapsody this one was more allowed to take liberties because it's Elton John retelling his life story after he's checked into rehab so it's a lot more fantastic it's a musical essentially because the story goes along da 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 and then big musical set piece set to one of his songs and it's not really so much a biopic as it is his fall into depression and drug use and everything that kind of brought him there and it's really fun if you like elton john it's really fun if you don't like elton john because we started this movie uh slagathar asked me what i got and i told him she was like oh i don't like that i don't like elton john this is gonna be dumb and about halfway through she was you know tapping her foot and singing along happily with the rest of it because terence Egerton, who you may know from uh the kingsman series actually hmm you said Terrence. I just wanted to be specific because Terrence oh. Edgerton is awesome. Yes. Terrence Edgerton from Kingsman is playing Elton John, and he actually got to sing all the songs himself because Elton John picked him to. Because at first they weren't sure if they were going to dub over him, but he sang the songs, and Elton John went, okay, he can do it. I like it. So it's an interesting retelling. I mean, it's mostly factual, but if any factual alleys can be you know, brushed aside, both, well, he's telling the story in rehab, and... Again, some of the set pieces are really cool. It's a really fun movie if you like, you know, Elton John, or even if you don't. The songs are great, the set pieces are good, and it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I was planning to watch it anyway, but I really dig movies like that in general, so. Well, my uh, my suggestion is kind of boring compared to both your guys'. I'm not much of a reader anymore. So I kind of, I chose something that has really helped me and my wife a lot this week. We started a, started our own soap-making business. And so my suggestion is Wholesale Supplies Plus. It's a website. If you ever need any supplies for making soap, it's a really great place to go. It's got like everything you need, all the scents and all the oils and stuff like that. It's really good for getting you started off. Yeah, it's a nice front page. It's simple, but I'm sorry. I just, I Googled it right as you were talking about it. I was like, this is a, I have this thing because I'm an engineer where like I look at how websites and whatnot are constructed, especially because I'm now more of a software guy. And uh, I like how simple it is. Yep. But I can see all the links where I need to be. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really helpful. It's a great place. Bio glitter soap. <laughs> That's neat. <laughs> all right. Well, we'd like to thank Mad the Impaler for coming on and talking haunted locations with. Anytime, man. Hopefully, we can get you on. You know, before too long. But if not, we are glad to. Yeah, sounds good. Is there anything you want to... I mean, you did your suggestion. 
you're starting a soap making business, right? So you said you want to you want to plug that. Yeah, sure. Uh, we don't we don't have the website up right now. We're still doing tester batches, but uh, the soap the company name is Squeaky Geek LLC. So our company we're going to be making soaps that are more geek and nerd themed. Right now we got a line that we're starting that's uh, more fantasy. So one of our bars, for example, is called Berserker's Rage. So it's going to kind of smell like what you think that a a berserker might smell like after, you know, a long day of slaying bodies. Yeah, and that's got... ironic because I would imagine they'd smell like sweat and blood, which is not the scent I normally associate with soap. <laughs> I'm thinking more like, more like leather, tobacco, and and whiskey. You know, that works. Well, I can, I can, I'd be down for that smell. But also, a sweat and blood be great if you needed to, you know, intimidate somebody. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be a good idea to put blood in your soap bars, though. You don't have right, well, actual one, blood. All right, well, one more time just for uh, uh, to solidify, what was the name again? Squeaky Geek. Squeaky Geek. All right. I, I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things that the listening, the platform you're listening to us on requires because that is the only way we will grow. And the more we grow, the more we can do. The more we can do, the better the show gets. And we are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. So thank you for whichever one you're watching us on. It's funny because I started like I was I was thinking about how I was going to say it. I've been playing a lot of Borderlands Three lately, and it, for anyone who doesn't know, right, the main villains of that game are basically satirical takes on content creators online who like to say, uh, you know, like, follow, and obey. And so now I'm like, don't be Tyree and the God Queen, but uh, gotta <laughs> gotta do it. <laughs> As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulric. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay on.